Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts Jeremy Take, Paul Schaeflein, and Aichabash. Each week you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in the space. Hi Aicha, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we have Hiroya with us. Uh, we're so excited to have him here too. Hi guys. Thank you for joining us. Do you want to quickly introduce yourself and where you work and how you got involved in this ecosystem? Hi, my name is uh, Herwe. I'm an engineering team lead here at Syskit. So we are a company based in, in UK, but we are actually working from uh, Croatia. So we've been a product company for from 2009 and we came into SharePoint on-premise world, I think around 2012. And so we have a lot of uh, experience with SharePoint on-premise products. And then we had a couple of tries to go into uh, Microsoft 365 or Office 365 or cloud. So we started in, I think in 2016 was our first try. And then in 2019, when a lot of uh, people already came over to Microsoft 365, we switched over and now we are, we have uh, our, Prime product, uh, I would say flagship, Syskit Point, and it's uh, doing a lot of these governance management and reporting things for, for our end users. This is basically our, our I would say, journey to, to M365. So what Microsoft 365 developer platform technologies are you using in your products? And can you tell us more about the behind the scenes dev architecture? Yeah, sure. So uh, I think we are using most of the M365 uh, APIs that are available. So our solution is um, all encompassing. So we are monitoring uh, a lot of Microsoft 365 services. I cannot say all because there is many of them and and every year there there are many more of them. But we are mostly focused around uh, SharePoint, of course, where where there's a lot of storage files. And then Microsoft Teams is uh, also important, OneDrive. So these are the basic things that we are uh, collecting data on. And here we are using Microsoft Graph for, I, I would say, for OneDrive. We are also using those Delta links because we are collecting a lot of data and we are trying to sync it all to our database and that can take a while. So we are trying to use Delta links that, and that helps us with OneDrive items, I know. So for SharePoint and for all the files, we are still using uh, CSOM, so SharePoint CSOM and REST APIs because there's a lot of, there's more throughput uh, there. So these are the basic base ones. Uh, lately, we've been trying to do the same thing for the Power BI. Uh, the same thing that we did for the Teams and the SharePoint. So a lot of these governance, reporting, and management uh, actions. So we are using, of course, and Power BI API. And I would say a lot of us in, in company are actually quite uh, surprised and pleased in how Power BI API is actually working. So there, there's a whole option there to do a bulk load. So you can do a scan of the whole environment and we are really, really happy about it because it, it makes our life more easy. So, yeah. And then we are also using Exchange Online PowerShell. I don't know if you had a opportunity to work with it, but we are we are trying uh, to pull a, a bit data around Exchange Online and then we are using the, the PowerShell for that. Yeah, that's right. It is the only way is through the PowerShell. There's work being done to make those things available on the graph, but it's uh, it's quite complicated because there's actually quite a few teams in Exchange that own different parts. But it's not like one for choke 
per se that can own that. Um, so yeah, the PowerShell way is the right way to do it right now. Uh, out of interest, when you say monitoring, what is the product? What are you doing? Are you storing it in a like a SaaS database, and then you've got a, a UI over the top? Like, can you talk a little bit about that UI and the stack you're building to do the visuals of those those things? So it's a it's a web application. It can be either a SaaS, so you can spin it up and we can host it for you, or you can choose to host it inside of your Azure subscription if you wish. So we have those two different options. And we collect all the data uh, and store it in our database. So our users can most can see the permissions. So the permissions is important part for us. So who has permissions to what? Uh, making sure that external sharing is set up in in right way because that can be uh, an issue sometimes where you share documents that you're sh you should not be, and then we can alert you on it and just make sure that everything is locked down. So for example, if you have a sensitive document, you don't want it to be shared outside. Those are some of these monitoring, and then we also do basic activity monitoring. So who's using what sites? Who's viewing what uh, files, and then who's deleting what, because that can also be important. So uh, we have a lot of these different things, and then we either do uh, notification via email, or we just give you reports via our uh, web interface. That's a lot of services and also very complex architecture. I was wondering how easy it is to maintain it, or what is your advice for such big architecture, how do you keep it up to date? <laughs> so as there, there is a lot of know-how in company. As I mentioned, we, we, we did a lot of work with the SharePoint on-premise. So CSOM was not that complicated for us because we had a lot of know-how, but Microsoft Graph is something that is actually helping us a lot because we are trying to move everything there. And these different systems are, are the ones that are introducing complexity because Graph is basic uh, REST API and, and it works as, as you would expect it. So I, I would I would recommend everybody to just use Microsoft Graph anytime you can because it actually is the most easy one to use and the easiest one to onboard new new developers. And Do you use the Graph SDKs to make your calls or have you got your own kind of like library you've built? And I wonder if there's like a historic reason you might go one way or the other with that. So I think we might, uh, we usually use SDK. I think it can be extended. So we have a uh, so we have a custom implementation of the uh, throttling issue. So the retry logic is is our custom, but everything else we we basically use SDK because uh, the graph is growing every day and it would be a pain to maintain it. Uh, so we use uh, SDK and then just those couple of these different things we we built ourselves. And the reason you're handling, handling the throttling a little bit different is primarily because of the amount of data you're pulling through. You're probably dancing pretty quick to limits on some of these things, right? Yeah, yeah. So our, our biggest customers, like they have 300,000 uh, people there. There's a lot of documents and we are pinging everyone because they want to have C permissions and everything. So we are, oh, oh, uh, I would say there's a team at our company that is basically uh, only working with the throttling issue with Microsoft and trying to find the best way to 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 get around it. Uh, I would say so. That the throttling is is something that we we spend a lot of time on. Good for you, but bad bad for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think for us, you know, we're trying to protect the service, and um, you know, we're we're trying to allow the ecosystem to do what they need to do. But at the same point, you know, we we look at our telemetry and we can see people really trying to get everything at an aggressive rate. And so 
um, it's always good, interesting to see how creative people get with, you know, how they respect the 429 and the retry after headers. And th there's work that we're going to be doing coming up actually that will make that even more transparent for everyone to understand what we're doing there. So yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's always good to see people using the SDK and adhering to the retry log logic that is there. I know that what we were wondering and we were asking a lot of places is uh, how do you evaluate what what's gonna increase the uh, cost of your uh, request? So if you are uh, adding additional fields that you want to have and stuff like that. So the, most of this, what we did is by trial and error, right? So we deploy it to our customers collect data and then just try to, to, to find something that works for us. Yeah, and, and the work that's been going on out of the SharePoint team is probably the most advanced in that space. The IETF headers that we have now, you get resource units back and we're trying to be transparent there on like, depending on what you call you make, we'll actually return in the response headers. Like this is what that resource request cost. Um, and we're learning still, like we're learning how you know, how complicated do we want to make this calculation? Because we're doing that on the fly. And then we're kept monitoring that throughout the the uh, the path, the process that you're calling. Yeah, it's been interesting being in those, some of those meetings because now other products, Exchange, Azure Active Directory teams are also going down those paths of learning from the OneDrive SharePoint journey of throttling. And we're trying to make sure we have a consistent approach across all of them. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. Like, should it should it be cheaper to make a call that is at the site collection level versus the list or the library level or the list item level? And if you don't use a select to pull back certain fields and you're just getting the whole thing back, like, is that more expensive? And therefore, should the resource cost more? And so, those are some of the things we're starting to see added to our documentation and actually in real time showing up in the response headers as well. And uh, more more to come there too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah, we're going to look at that closely. I can guarantee you that. The, the fact you have a the fact you have a whole team working on it, we feel like we should probably have a meeting just with our engineering people and, you, and your team for that one. Yeah. yeah, it's good to hear that you're finding the graph more consistent as an approach. And um, you know that was the theory of it, but it's sometimes it's nice to hear that coming back from people like yourselves that are like living this every day. I have one more question about the technical side. Uh, other than the M365 dev services, do you use any uh, cloud services to maybe optimize your API management or maybe helping out any, any part of your integrations? Yeah, our, our architecture is basically an Azure application. So we are using a lot of these different, uh, I would say, uh, Azure resources to, to make sure that everything is working correctly. So we are mostly using the Azure SQL database to store our, most of our data. And then we're also using Cosmos DB to just store some of these non-structured non data and something that we need to pull real fast. And then, yeah, Azure, Azure App Services has been showing they're, they're quite useful for us. So we can do a lot of these different things with them, I would say. So, and, and what this allows us is to do this, uh, I would say, two-way approach so we can give our users a, capability for them to host it. And then we can do uh, the SaaS hosting at our uh, data centers. And then we have the same uh, architecture uh, on both sides. So and it, it decreases our development costs a lot. So the infrastructure is ready and it, it just does not matter where you deploy it by using the ARM templates. It's either in your customer's uh, environment or our SaaS environment. 
when you do that, how, how does a customer evaluate your product? So this is one of the common questions we ask and we seem to get quite different answers here. Like for instance, are you in any of the storefronts, the office storefront or the team storefront, or are you really kind of direct selling to them and handholding them for it? We do everything, I would say. So you can go to our web and just uh, spin up a trial and it's going to be really fast. But we are also on the Azure marketplace. And there we have a couple of different options. So you can uh, use the Azure SaaS offering. You can use a solution as a software offering. And then there is a third one. I always forget about it. So whatever the use case for our customer is, they can can try to spin it up from the Azure. Uh, But what we found, and communicating with our customer is that uh, depending on the size of the customer, they usually want to uh, host it themselves. So for the big customers, from the customers from these uh, more secure, I would say, uh, industries, they want to host it themselves. And then uh, we give them a lot of help there. So we, we, we jump on call with them and just set it up real quickly. And for these smaller uh, consultancies, that they can spin it up in, in a couple of minutes and they can get a... So we have a I would say, a separate approach for the big and for the small customers. Yeah, I think there's definitely been a lesson for those uh, building product that are listening is that although you can go with a store approach maybe as the first path, um, you know, when you start talking to those bigger customers where you're going to get more revenue because their licenses are going to be more because of the seats they have, there are different paths they're going to want to take. Is it mainly for security reasons, do you think, that those conversations come up of them wanting to deploy it? themselves in Azure or are there other scenarios that that comes up? What we basically heard is, 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 the, is the security aspect of it because we store a lot of their sensitive data and then they're, uh, that they want it to have uh, at their place. And what this also means is that they get a dedicated instance. So they ensure that their performance is better if they're hosting it because they can scale it up themselves uh, much more aggressively than, than we do in our SaaS environment. We're trying to, yeah make the optimization with the cost and everything, but when they host it themselves, they can just spin up the resources and make them. I see. So if they wanted to get alerts quicker than what you are doing in your own environment, they could they could amp it up yeah. and, and yeah. make the decision yeah. to pay more on the compute side to get those alerts quicker. And the great example here is that they do a lot of these uh, permission reports and they do it on, on some intervals. So they do it every week or, or something like that in, in this. And for us in, in SAS, it's okay if, they, if the report generation takes two minutes because there's a lot of data and you want to show it. But they sometimes want it to be done in like 10 seconds and for that they need to uh, increase the tier of the resources. So, That's when they, they wheel in the supercomputer to do that in two seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like SQL is going to be the highest tier ever. Like it's going to crunch a lot of numbers. And But yeah, we, we allow them a lot of, uh, I would say, freedom, but we consult them during this process to make sure that the expectations are set. And then I guess with the product, it's quite, and, and don't use the word generic, but in not in a condescending way, but like in a way that this applies to every vertical. But one of the questions we always ask is like, are there particular verticals you're targeting here? But I feel like this is for relevant to every customer. It's not necessarily a solution you're building for just manufacturing or just health or something. Whoever has a lot of uh, teams or a lot of files in their M365, they probably want a solution like this because uh, what we did and what we are actually doing for these larger customers, I would say, but larger in, in the sense of thousand and more people uh, and this 
term of sprawl that is happening around the Microsoft Teams. There you have a lot of teams and your IT admins cannot clean everything up. And our solution allows you to uh, engage your business owners to just uh, say, hey, this team is what I need or this team is not something that I need. You can delete it safely. And we, we give opportunity to our customers to, to yeah, I would say, expand the number of, of people that are worrying about governance, about sprawl, and making sure that everybody in company is actually understanding what's happening inside of their environment. So um, what kind of improvements or changes would you like to see uh, from Microsoft 365 developer platform moving forward so that your product will be um, better in helping your customers even beyond what you're providing at the moment? Yeah, we already touched on, upon it because uh, the speed that we, we can pull the data from the from the platform is something that we are uh, most looking at. And also, uh, we like to see the graph expanding and the SharePoint is, is something that we would like, like to see more represented because we still use CSOM and this is something that we are actually looking for in it. And then there's, and I mentioned already, the Power BI uh, approach is something that we find fascinating. So you can scan the whole environment, and then it's going to give you a result when it when it's done. And and those kind of approaches would, would actually work work for us. So yeah, I would say these are the main things that we are looking for. I, I'm guessing right now you're kind of doing the for each site collection, for each library, for each list item. You're kind of walking the tree up and down. In that way, is that the right? Yeah, initially, yes. And then later on, we have some kind of change detection algorithm because it, it, we cannot ping everything all the time because, yeah, we, we, we run into port 29s, of course. So we do a lot of inspecting of audit logs and just seeing well, if something changed on that site. And then we can, because we have a set of, different information that we show you. And then we... um, since you mentioned Power BI, and I promise this is my last technical question, have you experimented uh, a little bit around Graph Data Connect um, to pool data and then maybe re using for reporting purposes in terms of the performance and maybe getting data much faster? In, in, in that in that instance, we, we did not use the Power BI. so. I'm not sure even how, how does it work. So you connect uh, Graph to your Power BI and then Power BI pulls the data from the graph. No, Graph Data Connect is actually a part of uh, Azure and might be an interesting area to experiment just to pull the data and then maybe using it with snaps to um, quickly report it. Looks seems something like, like that we can check out. Yeah, it's interesting that there's new data sets we just released that Jose Barreto has been blogging about recently too. He's the PM that owns these data sets and it includes a lot of the file information. Um, and so it's very new, it's still in preview, but um, the whole purpose of it is to try and pull that data back into the more um, batch approach so that you're not iterating using REST. And so, yeah, it's a good point to, to bring that up for sure. On, on a similar note, and obviously one of those things I know you're, you're in is our uh, the graph tap, and that's kind of one way you plug in to keep up to date with what's going on. But are there other initiatives or programs at Microsoft that you take advantage of that really benefit you in the way you run Syskit? Uh, we have a contact with our local Microsoft representatives that, that keeps us up to date and we follow 
online. What we did do for a while is uh, we connected with the um, Microsoft 365 DSC uh, um, program. So it's 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 an op open source uh, with Nick there. Uh, but we migrated from that, <laughs> I would say, part of Microsoft 365 in, in these uh, last couple of years. So so we don't use it anymore, but it, it was a nice nice way to, to just try to pull data from the exchange and stuff like that. But yeah, so I, I would say we do not keep track of the new, new stuff so much as we are trying to see what happens with these uh, things that we are currently using. And, it's funny, Nick, Nick was in my team when you're working with him and he's moved over into another, yeah, he's moved into a new group now and he's one of the guys that's working on the, getting the admin APIs consistent for Exchange and other products within there. So, because um, that helps power DSC if we can kind of get it all graph and not dependent on some of those PowerShell things that DSC does. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, like that configuration management side, I guess you're more on the, the content side of the house is that how you would differentiate between the two yeah and and this is something that we actually proved over time that people are more interested currently in in, in the content side yeah uh, they're more interested in, in what's happening with the content than they are with the configuration drift that's something that we coming from the on-premise i would say where that was a major <laughs> i would say talking point with our customers so configuration drift of the sharepoint farms and then we got to Microsoft 365, we thought, hey, it's going to be similar. But uh, in talking with our customers, we just, uh, we find out that they are more interested in the content side of the story. Cool. So we're excited to try out your product after talking this much. Where can people go and try uh, your products? The best way to do it is just go to our site. So it's syskit.com. There's going to be a nice big button. Uh, <laughs> try it out for free and you can, you can spin it up and, and see see how it looks. Perfect. So I, I will definitely do that after recording this. Awesome. So that was a great session. I definitely learned a lot and I will share the graph data connect documentation with you as well, if maybe you, you would like to try. So it was a really great session. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Hirvoye and Jeremy. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure recording these uh, podcasts with you. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 